Welcome everyone to episode 12, season one of our Superior Sales Disruption Podcast, which is proudly brought to you by our media partner, Retail World, Australia's premier publication for the grocery and FMCG industry. As will be the case throughout, I am joined by my partner in crime down in Melbourne, Mr. Mark Trulson. How are you today, Mark? I'm great, Jamie, and I'm really looking forward to our interview with Rhonda. Uh, knowing that she's risen through the ranks of one of the world's most storied organisations, 3M, I'm like a kid the night before Christmas. That's uh, an interesting one, mate. That's great. Um, look, Rhonda's someone uh, I, I had the chance to meet uh, over a year ago, um, and really just hearing uh, uh, you know the fact that she'd been with one company for so long, um, and more importantly, started as a salesperson on the road every day day in day out is part and you know really something that i was i was excited to hear more about so uh really looking forward to speaking to Rhonda today so without further ado Rhonda McAllister good morning everyone i'd like to introduce today uh, the general manager of uh, 3m australia new zealand uh of the consumer division so good morning Rhonda McAllister from 3m how are you this morning good morning uh thank you very well excellent so uh we are uh, really looking forward to your podcast today, and uh, we've got uh, our remote hero down in Melbourne uh, who's with us today, uh, Mr. Mark Trulson. How are we, Mark? Fantastic, Jamie. Really looking forward to today's podcast. And to kick things off, Rhonda, uh, we love storytelling here on this uh, Disruption podcast, So, uh, and every good story has a great beginning. So can you tell the, view, uh, the listeners about where you sort of grew up and say where you went to school and how you started? Sure. Uh, I grew up in a small town in Canada called Seaforth. Uh, that's close to the U.S.-Canada border. I went to school, uh, primary school, in the small town. I'm very proud of be- that I'm from a small town, uh, but I went to college and uni in the bigger city close by. How many people were in your small town back then? I didn't want to give that away. Um, <laughs> about 2,000 people back then okay. yes that is a small yeah town. it's very small where, and where did you go uh, where did you go to uni whereabouts did you head uh, off? I went to Kitchener for college Conestoga College and then later on went to London Ontario for university University of Western Ontario okay. what were you studying uh, back then oh um the fir- first courses that I took was an executive administration in business mm-hmm. at college and then uh while I was in uni, I got an internship with 3M, and I was studying business. Um, well, no, I will say I was first starting uh, to study sociology. Right. When I got an internship at 3M, I uh, started studying business. So 3M has a lot to do with my changing my way and where I was going. So I'm sure Fantastic. Yellow mark, yeah. No, I'm, look, I'm fascinated that uh, you, you had an internship at 3M. So you've obviously had an amazing career at 3M. Uh, if you look at 3M, it's one of the most celebrated companies from an innovation point of view that I can think of. Uh, how many of the stories of, you know, people who, like, invented the Post-it notes and the Scotch tape and how many of those stories sort of inspire, you know, the generations that have, you know, preceded it Well, yeah, and, and passed it? Certainly 3M's backbone is on innovation. And so those stories, I mean, I still do a tour at our 3M Innovation Center and I learn something new and I've been with the company for 30 years. So 
um, and you learn a new story every year and it, you put it in your cap. Um, Art Fry invented the post note. We all know that. And we're sitting in a room um, that is labeled the Art Fry room <laughs> that uh, is the inventor of the post-it notes. So it, it goes a long way, the history of 3M. I must say I've had the opportunity to go through the Innovation Center once and uh, albeit we were only at about an hour, but uh, it was the most amazing journey and, and to understand things that we use every day that are made by 3M that we actually don't even know yeah. we're using or we're looking at or we're engaging with. So uh, uh, it is an amazing company. So so you took an, you had an internship back in uh, out of college. So you've been at the one company your whole career. I mean, that I don't know, Mark, have you, do you know anyone that's been at the, the company for their whole journey and that's got... Well, I, th well I think if, if, I think if uh, you and I had worked at 3M, we probably wouldn't have left there either. Hmm. Okay. Good answer. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to tell you the date I started at 3M because then you can work out my age. Um, okay. Well, that's all right. So Robert, <laughs> I, I normally refer to some of our guests and Mark and I as dinosaurs within the industry. So, but you're certainly not one of those. They're uh, not, not with the innovation nature at any rate. But yeah. uh, look, um, give us a little bit of an insight into your purpose. So, you know, your, your, your mantra, your why. Like what, why do you do what you do and what motivates you every day that you come and lead you know, the, the um, consumer division? Well, I got thinking about how I started with 3M and what I used to use when I was going through, say, some difficult times and trying to fit in. I, I joined the, the pharmaceutical uh, division within 3M. And of course, I didn't know anything about pharmaceuticals and medical terms or anything like that. So I kind of felt like I, I need to brush up. So I took additional courses. So, but today I would think very differently of that, that um, not that I could, it certainly helped, but um, I fit in just fine with knowing what I don't know and learning as I I go. So that was one of the key things for me in joining 3M, which was pharmaceuticals at that time, but I was able to move into other areas of the business like corporate marketing office. And I, I basically have worked in every part of 3M. It, it's easier to say where I haven't worked yeah. <laughs> in parts of 3M. So when you think about uh, the 3M, such an innovation powerhouse, have you always been aligned to creative thinking and innovation yourself? Um, when I look at the profile and strengths of myself, I'm really a attitude person. I, I've built, I, I remember carrying a poem in my diary all the time when I went to sales or marketing meetings and it was all about attitude. Attitude is everything and it'll get you through anything. So the innovation side of 3M, we left out to the R&D, and then the creative side, possibly for me, was when I um, went into marketing. So, um, but I soon realized that um, to be a good marketer, you also needed to be in sales. So I've, I've done both. I've told you that, Mark, see? You know, to, <laughs> know that, mate. You know, you've got to, got to have your time in sales to, to really be a good marketer. But, uh, um, and uh, it is interesting because after a little bit of research, so you're actually quite early on was a sales rep on the road um, for 3M. So yeah. what was that uh, like back in the day? Let me tell you, I moved uh, from Canada to here and I've been a sales rep 
in both countries. I like being a sales rep in Australia. And guess why? What? You don't have to deal with the snow. So they get <laughs> out. So, um, but I was recognized when I went back into marketing for the, um, the different programs I had put in place from a sales perspective. Yep. Um, but then I also knew when I went into marketing how to work with salespeople. Yep. What they were confronted with on a daily basis was very different to sitting in the office and working out programs for them to take. You kind of had to put yourself in their shoes as to how they could, what they needed at the call, call face with the customer. So, and I always bring it back to attitude. I learned it over time. Um, academically, I learned lots of things, but the experience was the main thing in going out and doing it yourself. Now, you, uh, you brought up uh, Art Fry, and there's been other legendary people like Sir Richard Drew with the Scotch tape. Now, some of them have been leading disruptors. They've sort of bent the rules along the way. Is that part of the ethos of 3M as well? Um, I'd say in a few of our technologies, yeah, they've, um, they've been adopted due to something happening in the lab and, and then going back and figuring out, oh, I could use magic tape uh, for gifting because I can lift it up again and reposition it, or, you know, like a post-it note as well. And, and so, um, yeah, I, you're exactly right. A lot of those uh, uses for the technology uh, 3M certainly has um, is a company of a lot of different technologies meshed together to provide uh, different products and solutions. But, uh, just, I'm going to take a step back a little bit, um, Rhonda, because I, I really truly believe the senior leaders that we have had the opportunity to talk to and that I've looked at and you know, quite honestly you know, respected and admired, they've come from the ground up, like they've spent that time out in the real world and I, and I, and I think... I really look at that as a, a fundamental to success to being able to lead um, in that journey when you get further down the track. And, uh, yep. and, and then that cross-functional. So we, we speak to a lot of the, the, the guests that we've had have spoken about how you know, it's not a linear, linear straight up, up the ladder um, six, you know, progression line. It's, okay. it's a cross-functional channel thing. And you know, it sounds like you, you know, you've definitely, you know, you've, you've done that from a, going mm. from pharmacy to, to marketing. What, yep. what other areas of 3M have you been involved in from a logistics or a, um, other areas that are in the business? Well, um, products, we were in library systems, computer filters, uh, com commercial graphics. I've really touched a lot of areas of 3M and then the back office with the corporate marketing in Canada. Um, but the turning point for me is when I did become a manager and I had others to be responsible for, or so I thought at the time. And, um, it was a time where, you know, I was called boss lady. I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but, um, that was when there was very little women in, in leadership roles. Yep. So I, I do take it as a compliment. I'm not necessarily direct style. Uh, leader, but I'm a situational leader. I definitely uh, look that I have to, and, and my philosophy has always been that I work for them, they don't work for me, and that's taken me places. So if I can 
get what they need to be successful in the businesses that they're running because I've been there and I've, I've run the businesses. I know what it's like when you can't get what you need. Um, sometimes I can't get them everything they want, but I try to get what they need for, in order for them to be successful in their careers, both their careers and the businesses that they're running. And have you got any other sort of philosophies either that have been inspired by yourself or inspired by 3M in terms of building and managing a team? Well, certainly the situa situational leadership is um, now, it, it's a bit older course for, for me now, but that really uh, rung me into 3M because you'd have different types of people that you work with, alongside with, or you need to coach, you need to delegate, you need to lead, manage, facilitate. And so it was always, I was always working on myself to adapt to the situation and also sharing that teaching with them that if they're new in a job, you might need to be told a few things as to how to do it. And then you bring your own, um, your, your own style into the job while you're learning at the start. So, and that's been the beauty of 3M is being able to move from one industry to another industry and not be fearful that you don't know what's going on because you don't know what you don't know and you'll figure it out. And, and, and one management style is very different to someone else's. So, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, there's, no, there's no textbook for it. It's, it's really what works for that direct manager and, uh, and for your team, which yeah. is which is what you're talking through. And, you know, what were some of the key turning points? Uh, was there any, you know, where, where, you know, or even potentially roadblocks that might have, mm. might be interesting about you look back on now and go, well, you know, if that didn't happen, I might not have ended up staying. Or, I mean, I'm yep. sure you've been approached by other uh, organisations over the years, yep. um, um, particularly being, a, a, you know, a, a female leader within the within mm. this space in FMCG. Yeah, can you share any stories along that, that line? Well, I got to bring up the first one was my first paycheck at 3M because remember I was an intern, mm -hmm. so I was working, learning, contributing. So and I and I was loving it, and I thought, oh wow, they want to pay me for it. That's bonus, right? So that <laughs> that was the first turning point as a junior. Um, um, you know, an internship and, and moving into a position with 3M. The second turning point was when I had people responsibility. That was huge to me. I think um, some people say they're ready. Um, yeah, you might not be ready. And so um, if you've, your first responsibility is a team of 10 people, that's a lot of people to be responsible for. Um, so I've always said start out uh, two or three because you're still learning. And those people really need you to do a good job for them, like I said before. So, um, and then this last turning point for me has been moving into the role of general manager, where you have responsibility for a lot of businesses, right? Um, whereas if you're running one business, you feel like you have a little bit more control. And that, I guess they what they say, it's, it's lonely at the top. Well, trying to break that down because it doesn't need to be you're still involved but you certainly do um, get less um, uh, involved in part of the detail but I'm trying to break through that because um, some sometimes um, people don't think that they can come to me for little things and yet it's I love it 
I love participating in the full team um, of the consumer business. Now I have run one of the construction businesses before becoming general manager. So breaking that down and making sure everybody's comfortable that we're all one team here. And that includes me. I'm no different. And in, in fact, there was one couple weeks ago, um, in order to understand a bit more about the, what was going on with the pharmacy channel, I said I wanted to go out with them and do the merchandising with them. Okay. And so there is a picture of me on the pharmacy floor putting in the uh, next care tapes. So that to wow. me, um, now everybody wanted a copy of that photo. I was going to say, I need to get a copy yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody wanted a copy of that photo around here. And I don't mind sharing it because I learned more, again, going out in the field and then bringing it back in, understanding what, what the team was going through as well. well that, ticks, that ticks two boxes really because you, you know, an open door policy is really important to be able to listen to your people. And, uh, and I think you know, hopefully for your people listening to this podcast uh, in, in, you know, when they get an opportunity to that, they do take that opportunity to go and knock on the door and, and, and sit down. And no matter how small it might mean, you know, the, the, it's better to be asking those questions. But then getting out and still getting keeping in touch, keeping your fingers out yeah. on the pulse is also really important because the field changes. Oh yeah, it changes every every twelve or eighteen months. There's some real big changes in the, the mental the, the the mental process of being a sales rep on the road. Yep. So uh, getting out is is a really an important piece. Certainly, the pharmacy assistant had trouble believing that I was the general manager. So it uh, yeah it it made for a good fun day. <laughs> now, now, Rhonda, a big part of uh, being innovation success is having lots of failures uh, where you learn from. So. Can you tell some of the listeners about some of the maybe the lowlights or or failures that you've been part of at 3M that have that you've learned from and actually then led to greater success? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Every mistake uh, can turn into an opportunity, and that's how you learn. Um, there were certain um, areas where I look at our business now and our service levels to to our accounts, and so you think you might make a decision and you, you think it's the right decision, but the sooner you discover that it is and is doing something about it. And um, basically there was one situation where, well, let's do something different here. Let's call the Six Sigma team in to look at how we can increase our service levels. We couldn't identify where the problems or the hiccups were in getting our product to the shelf, yep. right? So that to me was, uh, a mis there was some mistakes made in the, uh, the decisions that were made prior and that, that's fine. But we stepped everyone in to look at it and we put a solution in place, which brought up our service level. So it's something that was an error to begin with, made it worse, but now the service le levels that we have with that particular account are high now. And now we're a best practice for that account. So that, that to me was some mistakes were done, didn't matter. Uh, we looked into it, had all connections within the customer yep. and different parties within the customer and 3M talking, and we figured it out. Um, we used the Six Sigma philosophy or the, you know, the science behind that to do it, but it was really the connecting with the customer and the relationship that helped us put the solutions in place as well. That's a, a great bit of a, you know, a great observation and, and a great story because um, John Donlan, one of the gentlemen, uh, the, the CEO of Pharmacare, he was talking about how one of his best bits of advice was when he was you know, from a mentor back in a 
a long time ago was that don't be afraid to change a decision. If you make a decision that's mm-hmm. the wrong one, yeah. don't be afraid to change it. You, yeah. you don't have to necessarily continue it through if you, you can see that it needs to, yeah. it's not working. I think everyone has a little bit of, I want to be right. Yeah, um, for sure. And uh, the sooner you realize um, you made this and it's not going the way you thought it would, claw it back and get it working again. It's far better than letting it go in a rabbit hole. And uh, you can't, there's always a solution out there. There's always a solution and there's always a win-win opportunity. Um, as the general manager um, here at, at 3M Consumer, what, what's the size of your team at the moment? Ah, good question. 55 okay. across the inside. Yeah, across yeah. Australia and New yeah. Zealand. Yeah. And uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what's the, what's the, in terms of sales disruption, what do you see is, is, is the, mm. is the, you know, the, in, the leader for 3M in terms of your disruptive capabilities with your sales team? Well, if, if we particularly for the FMCG sales team yes. for, for 3M, um, the use of data. So um, we talk about the FMCG, the consumer insights, the shopper insights. It's evolving um, and there's a lot going on. There's a lot of challenges for both suppliers and retailers. Um, but how we handle that, um, because it's really the consumer has access and more con- connections than they ever will. And then, then you've got the millennial uh, coming through that uh, if you're not talking to them the way they want to be talked to, um, they're, like they're, they're about ease and convenience, right? Yeah. Hopefully quality. I, I, I've heard people say that it, mm, not too sure about the quality, but they definitely want ease and convenience. And this coming through for the FMCG market is a tough one for all of us, yeah. I, I believe. So uh, the, back to your question about the sales team, they have to, it's, it's not about negotiations anymore. It's about use of the data to do the right thing for the customer and find a win-win solution that serves the consumer. So, and that's very, that's becoming a little bit more tricky, but the more the supplier and the retailers work together, the more we will, and there's pure play in there as well. So there's lots of disruptors, but the sales team have to be more digitally and analytical and use of data to determine what the needs of the customers are. Now, um, Brené Brown talks about how storytelling is data laced with emotion. Um, now, are you using the, the techniques of storytelling that you know that are 3M are famous for uh, with your sales force to help make that data resonate with the customers more? Okay, not necessarily because what I say, there's always a win-win um, answer or, you know, you might uh, discover through the data something that is not in favor to the trend or, or for your, your customer or for you and you have to confront reality there. So um, to that that's a key point to me because but what when I say there's always a win-win you confront that and you work through it you'll with the customer you'll find a way to get solutions and win-win opportunity for for the consumer the retailer the pure play and the supplier so I know that sounds oh a little bit like a dream but 
you do have to confront data that is may not fit in the favor of of either three the supplier retailer or consumer yeah i think that's great advice and uh and it's really all about um yeah, even if it isn't in favour, it's about owning owning that. And I think your customer respects you a little bit more. By and it, being and it's a honest. point in time. Yes. It's a point yeah. in time. Yeah. And it may change. And it, but but there's always something there to be dealt with. For sure. Yeah, that's great, Rhonda. It's been uh, it's great to hear some of the stories because more importantly, uh, yes, 3M being such an innovation innovative company and disruptive company, it's 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 really easy to to tie that back. But um, can you share with the listeners a little bit about you as a person and what you find as you know one of the disruptive and uh, one of the things that people would sum you up as if they had a, uh, a one-liner to say uh, what uh, they think uh, drives you and 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 Rhonda as a person? What would you give us give us a little bit insight into that? Um, tenacious, I suppose. Um, I I do have a story when. Um, I was pregnant with twins and I look at that as a turning point because I had just been given increased responsibility and then finding out that you're going to have twins, not one baby, but two babies. I thought, holy heck, how am I going to do this? Right. So, um, but I think back now, like, how did I do it? Um, You know, responsible for, not just uh, three children, but then um, a whole team. And I think I was in commercial graphics at that time. And boy, do I have stories, and I'm sure the team have stories. But I think the tenacity that I had was that I I can do this. I can do this and woke up every day. Uh, I think you said like like it's an AFL grand final. I certainly felt that, Mm. but it got easier and easier and um, just kept going and and but that was a turning point of taking on a big role at the same time as having twins so and no one thought I could do it that's a uh, it is a big <laughs> it is a big feat and uh, um, it is amazing though you you know as a leader uh, and as a high D as I would put you into my category of my disc analysis so, so that's you know you're juggling a million things at once you're capable of doing that and your tenacity allows you to. It is like playing a grand final every day you oh, go yeah. to work because yeah. you're juggling yeah. such a, you know, a new family and twins. Would, yeah. That would be difficult, uh, I think, on anyone's scale, particularly at, at your level. I re- recall the day I came into work and the sales rep, uh, one of the sales reps said, um, you called me last night. What were you, you were singing a lullaby. I said, oh, really? <laughs> uh, I must have, you know because I would often use the, the mobile as the, the flashlight. And that really gave the salesperson a really good insight to what my life was like at that time and was surprised I was awake in the morning. And, 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 uh, but that, that was it. That, you know, that was a, a challenging time, but we got through it and tenacious. So, Rhonda, I'm really fascinated by this because uh, I'm a product of a, a solo parent being a mum who uh, worked a great career and I think was the best mum in the world. You know, we're, we live in a society now where we're told, you know, women can break through the glass ceiling and, and they can have the perfect career, the perfect marriage, the perfect everything. Um, obviously, it's a massive challenge. Um, have you got any advice for uh, aspiring, you know, women out there who have been told that the dream, you know, includes the perfect 
job and the perfect marriage and the perfect kids and everything like that? Yeah, um, there is no such thing. Um, but my, and I've learned probably the hard way is to take care of yourself first. That's the, you know, everybody says it, but sometimes they don't do it. That's like buckling up your child next to you on a flight before, you know, you know, putting the mask on. So, but, but if you don't take care of yourself, you can't run a business and you, you can't get your kids to school. So um, I think that, but, but embracing it, that you can do it. And I go back to that attitude. If you wake up in the morning and say, you can do this, you will do it. You will do it. So that that would be my advice and and you can it can be done and you can have it all but what is all to someone at, to everybody is a little bit different yeah. your all might be different to someone else's all so you can do it all yeah. it's just what are you striving for and there's a fair bit of hard work that goes into it all or making it all happen as yeah well. it doesn't just all happen um taking care of number one uh, my my grandfather gave me that advice when I was about 19 and I thought it, sort of thought it was a bit selfish of him to say take mm. care of number one. But you know, as I got older, I realised that if you don't take care of number one, you can't provide for number two, three or, or be a leader and a, you know, and a, and a business, you know, a leader in business and a mentor. So, yeah. Which then leads me to uh, uh, maybe understanding a little bit about in your journey. Um, you know, some of the, the mentors that you may have had along your journey that, um, you know, that's still, you know, some of the advice that may have been given to you that mm. still resonates. And uh, you know, if you can share any of the, any other mentors and, and even maybe your mentoring back now mm. through, through the, your staff and your people. Well, I can think of two managers. I had uh, one, um, you know, I, I, you know, they were great managers. I've, I've had great managers and I think um, my first manager in Canada um, taught me to go with my gut okay and these are the days before Six Sigma but you know and in, in you had data but it really did define the 80-20 rule so if you because if you leave it until you got 100% um, you might have missed the opportunity so um, she taught me to go with my gut and it's it's worked it's worked but uh, I'll never forget that and she was one of the first female leaders on the uh, management team back in 3M Canada I then had another leader here in Australia who I had trouble she she um, would tell me I'm too detailed I'm too detailed but you know what she was right you know I I like detail I, I always kept on saying I like big picture I told her that. I said, I like big picture though. She goes, but you, you like the detail too. And I go, hmm. And she was right. I did. I did. I liked both yeah. sides there. Um, and then from then on, she taught me how to play the strengths of having both love the detail and the big picture. Yeah. So in the end, she challenged me big time. See, you like the detail. And every time I come in, I, yeah, I brought the detail. I get it. I get it. So, um, but that was a key learning for me that um, know who you are and what your strengths and weaknesses are. I start, my weakness was not admitting that I like the detail. So the, <laughs> so, the details are positive, but, yeah. but understanding the limits on it and how much it drives you or, or, or how focused yes. you are on that yeah. versus the bigger. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I thought I wasn't good at the details. So here I was uh, t- telling her that I didn't like the detail and I'm not, how can I be good at it? If I'm... So it was a, ended up to be like a development opportunity for myself. Mm-hmm. And then I 
thought back about how she challenged me and her techniques. And I, I followed that equally as well as she did. So it, it now, worked. And it was a learning. Now, to, now talking about detail, um, now Six Sigma is, is, is for, mm -hmm. for those who don't know, is a detailed process that basically allows project management and innovation to flourish. I was reading a, a great article from Jeff Emmelt from GE saying you can install the best Sig Sigma process in your business, but if the behaviours of the staff and employees don't match it, then Six Sigma can fail. Can you tell the listeners a bit about how you instill the right behaviours to make sure a process like Six Sigma flourishes? Yeah, okay. So absolutely, I agree with that because if you – want to put a process map together and you're leaving out things that you don't like, then that Six Sigma is not going to work for you. If you don't, yeah. don't confront reality and you say it's this way, but it's really this way, uh, Six Sigma will draw that out. But if you're stuck somewhere because something's not working and it's not a process that you can change, it might be you know, something that people are doing, interfering with it and can't change that, that behavior, then Six Sigma won't work for it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So you've got to be honest to the system, otherwise yeah. the system's not going to work. Yeah, so I guess the answer to that is your integrity and your honesty to go through the process cause you'll, and, and know that you'll come out of it with a solution. I would, um, so... Uh, I'm only new to the, to, the, to the Sigma piece there, but uh, um, I think it's just a bit of a, a part of life that if, you, uh, if, you just, um, if you're not honest to yourself and honest to the system, then you're really not identifying where you want to go and how yeah. you're going to get there. So, um, but just uh, with the mentor piece, uh, you, uh, do you find uh, you have young people come to you or do you find that you're mentoring certain people within the space just just naturally because there's you know they're asking for a bit of help do you find the young ones put their hand up and ask for the help these days i find um the people that are most comfortable to come to me are those that i've hired right. in 3m they're always at my doorstep and always welcome yes um so then what i try to do with those that i wasn't part of the hiring process, try to find a connection with them so they do feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, and the younger ones, um, yes, they do. They, but not all of them. They're maybe split in two uh, categories. Ones that um, they're trying to figure out why they're not going up the hierarchy. Okay. Yeah. And as quick as they'd like. Yeah. And that's a, that's a challenging a challenge. one. And, and then there's this other, that, that they deserve it and they are really good at what they do do but trying to find the right pathway for them is and it, unless we talk about that we can't find it for them too so they do have to open up about that i hope that makes sense because they will if they don't come to you with that as a challenge and they keep it that they just deserve it that that's the only reason why they should have it it might not happen mm. they might go elsewhere and get it for a little bit but then it, they'll get stalemate again. Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, now, without re revealing uh, Jamie's age or or, <laughs> or my age or your age, oh if you had to look back, <laughs> if you had to look back from when when you started, what and knowing now what you know, 
what sort of advice would you give that young person just joining the ranks? That I don't need to know everything. That's a big one for me. And I go back to the pharmaceutical days where I thought I felt like I needed to know everything that a doctor knew <laughs> to be, a, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, that's, you don't need you to don't. know everything. You're best to know what you don't know and be self-aware of that because you can always figure it out. Yep. That's, that's a good bit of advice. So, um, and, and, and I think just touching back onto your point prior that, um, the one bit of advice that a few of our, our, our guests have given to the younger generation is, and if they're looking back at, to actually don't rush it. Like you mm. know, sometimes you're sitting tight for a year or two, you know, it's not every six months that you need to be moving positions. And, yep. you know, you, you do need to sit tight and, and, and really understand or cross-functionally yep. move across the business um, into areas that you might not be comfortable with. Disrupt yourself. Yeah. And, and that's the advice that I think some of the senior leaders... Yeah, and I think uh, lateral moves. Yep. You learn more from lateral moves than you do, yes. say, a, I don't even call it a promotion. It's increased responsibility, it, you know, yep. because um, if you call it a promotion, then what is it? You, you got increased responsibility to do something more, better, different, and and, and more responsibility. So um, you're better to do a lateral and learn a lot more about how what your strengths and weaknesses are before you jump. Yeah, and learning off some you know different different bosses and different leaders mm. that you work under actually helps you add pieces to your uh, management style because again, there's no textbook for it. That's right. Everyone has their own style and and. Uh, and, and, and definitely your different leaders and bosses that you work for help, help really build that, that, uh, that uh, catalogue of what you've got when That's you right. move forward. So, yeah. Yeah. In terms of your role of uh, being a general manager, have you seen uh, the responsibilities of a general manager sort of change over the last five or so years? Um, well, it's interesting. Um, general manager, what does I, – I, my kids ask me what – does that mean? Right. <laughs> and uh, then I told them, well, I'm a country business leader. Oh, so what, what does, does that, that mean? mean? And you just don't ever get there. But mom, you were sitting on the floor merchandising the next care last week. How can you be a general manager? So, so explaining what the role of a general manager, I've really put it to leadership. You're running a lot of businesses that are somewhat connected together but it's really about the people and the team supporting the team in my role i find that that um again i'm working for them to get what they need in order to be successful with their businesses and with their teams so has the role changed probably not i don't know but what it's called is probably not the right name for it but but that is the title i guess <laughs> yes it's uh I think sometimes being a general manager or even a managing director or whatever, I think uh, you, you need a you need a number of hats actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You become you know, you become a psychologist, you become a <laughs> you become a HR expert, you become a lawyer, you become a yes. sales sales person, a marketer, yeah. and you you really just come trying to combine and, uh, and and bring those teams together and make them. Uh, obviously the best that you can for your business mm. at the time. Um, it is, it is an interesting, uh, look, the, the FMCG space is really changing. Um, 
certainly in the last uh, five to 10 years. Um, you know, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges that, uh, you know, particularly the industry or businesses today within, within the fast moving consumable goods game, what do you see as some of their biggest challenges from your opinion? Well, I think because consumers have multiple access to information over and over again, and then multiple access to purchase as well. So different ways they want to purchase can define. So that that creates, I, and this is just my opinion, we, we have to see this over time, but is it creating less loyalty? Whether that be, now I'd like to think that they like quality and brands, I'm a supplier. So, you know, that um, that continuation, but that that is disruptive when they've got access to so much information and it can be confusing as yep. well. So is it disrupting loyalty of where they shop or what they buy as well? Or habit. Or habit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I, I do think that convenience is somehow overtaking and ease. If it hasn't yet, it will. We traditionally want to, I know I still go to the shops. I like to go to the shops. Mm -hmm. Um, and certainly in Australia, that continues. We like to go to Bunnings. We like to go to Woolies, Coles. I got to name them all, right? Because mm -hmm. they're all customers. Kmart, Big W. <laughs> yeah, just go through to them all. That's out. right. Don't leave any of them out. Um, but uh, might or ten, yeah. See, I can't leave the, them all out. Um, but but it, it must be. Ch it's challenging for us all because mm -hmm. of the consumer shifting and changing and access to information and different products, different. And what do they want? And, and we, we have data, but uh, do we have enough data on the consumer? And I'm saying it's not that we, because it's personality, it's type, what do they want? Um, uh, they're more focused um, on what they want and maybe less loyal to where they get it. And, and no one wants to hear that, I think, where they might get it and what brand they might get. Yeah. And do you think they've got too much information? Do you think oh. they've got, um, you know, we actually, uh, one, of the, one of the Joe Berry uh, questions from last week mm. was about, you know, um, them having too much information. And, uh, um, you know, then you've got obviously, yes, we do still have a bricks and mortar mentality. Yeah. We like yeah. to shop. But Amazon is just growing at a, such an exponential rate. It's yeah. going to happen here at some stage. Yeah. And... Is you know is it then become price? Is it? It's not about experience anymore. It's, mm. it's now is it price? Is it is a brand? Well, I've um, always thought it was access. So the yeah. access for, to yeah. more information, more different channels, um, which could create confusion, but and and tough for the retailers and suppliers because um, eventually we all have to get on board because we see it moving. It's way slow rate uh, compared to other countries, definitely. But the e-commerce side of each of the businesses mm -hmm. uh, for, for large companies um, is painful at times. Yeah. 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 To get that moving and in the right directions. I going to move off the uh, sort of the business side of things I want to touch on something quickly you mentioned you have three children so mm. what is what does Rhonda do in her spare time like what do you what do you do <laughs> what are your interests outside of uh, FMCG and post-it notes and uh, um, yeah well for a Canadian gal who used to play hockey um, I 
don't know how to play AFL, but I certainly know the rules and how to watch it. So okay. all of the kids play AFL okay. soccer. So a lot of my weekends are walking around the field or, yeah. yeah okay. so. Well, there's a win for you, Mark, with the AFL, mate. Uh, uh, yeah, she's have, you got a, have you all got a team that you support? <laughs> the Magpies. Oh, okay. Ooh. We'll move on. <laughs> so uh, you actually watch you, you enjoy watching the the magpies oh, I, on the oh, weekend. Well, I I just what I like watching my children. <laughs> That's the main thing. So um, and you and you have twins. So they twins fourteen and um, a girl. Okay. Sixteen. Sixteen. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right, so you, you mentioned that slightly challenging, <laughs> but uh, I've got a ten-year-old, so I'm, I'm I'm following that path, and I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah. And Mark's Mark's got uh, certainly one around the same age as well, if not a little bit older now. So uh, uh, you've been there and done that, mate. Um, just I think just to come in, you know, bringing it all back into to a bit of a wrap. Um, what do you What do you see as you know? You've been. Uh, this is a hard question to ask you because uh, most of the other senior leaders have, have either they, they've moved across different companies oh, right. over their career path. Yeah. And you know, what do you see as your next step? And, and what do you see as the next phase in your journey? Um, and what mm. you know, have you have you given that a lot of thought? Other than you know, continuing to to lead the way you know uh, in the role that you're in. I I think. Um, I mentioned it earlier, I still am trying to look after myself. Mm-hmm. When, when I started this role, I, you go through phases. So my journey is still, I have that tendency to forget about myself. Mm-hmm. And so my journey right now is still keeping that on track. Okay. Um, okay. Which is important, right? Because yep. you've got to, and that's what uh, keeps us all going and, uh, and, and allows us to 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 inspire others mm. as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is yep. very important. Mark, mate, uh, have you got uh, anything that you, uh, any questions or anything you want to you know, cover off with um, Rhonda before we wrap up, mate? Oh, I just think that's a great way to end because often we talk about the disruption of the company that we're working with, but you know, ultimately the way we look at ourselves, the personal disruption is you know, how we can ultimately be fulfilled and be happy with uh, with our progress so to hear that from you i think is really inspiring so thanks Rhonda. thank you and uh, mark mate uh, i did mention to Rhonda um about our weekly blog that we've been doing for about 18 months and she looked at me as if to say well why haven't you got me on there so uh, <laughs> you, need to, you need to add uh Rhonda to our uh our disruption blog uh, that, that we bring out every friday uh about sales and marketing and and, and that journey and, and some tips along the way so look Rhonda, thank you very much for your time it's been a pleasure um uh, it's been great to hear a lot more about your backstory and uh, and I can definitely see looking out there that being a rep on the road today and it's pouring, pouring rain, it's not, yep. it's not snowing, but uh, um, it's great to hear, you know, where you came from uh, okay. and, and what you, you know, and the things that, that you look at now and, and, and the things that make you tick and, uh, and a bit about your personal journey as well. So, look, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Uh, we, we'll look forward to catching up with you maybe in the next season or two and uh, seeing how things are progressing. So, On my journey. Okay. Fantastic. Thank, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks. Well, Mark, uh, that was a really, really good podcast. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. It was great to hear some genuine honesty about uh, Rhonda's journey. And, uh, mate, what were, the, what were the key takeouts that you uh, took away from uh, today's podcast? 
Well, overall, just speaking with someone who's had such a decorated tenure at one of the world's great disruptors was such a highlight. Is what fuels me with optimism that we can impart stories to our recently signed up clients who have heard our podcast and who want to be inspired by disruptors. But, you know, three things that really stood out for me were, you know, her ability to learn from mistakes and, and how, you know, one of her great achievements, you know, was born from a mistake. I love the fact that she's juggling work at home and she's, she really understands, you know, that she needs to focus on herself to make all that work. And also it was great to hear, you know, everyone talks about Six, Six Sigma, but to, to realise that it's not just the process, that you actually need the behaviours to make it really hum. I think they were, they were key takeaways from me. What about yourself? Mate, I, I think the, the three things that you know, really resonate for myself and I'm sure to many of our listeners would have been, uh, look, situ- situational leadership. I think it's really important as a senior leader to be able to adapt to the situation at hand. You can't just have a, a certain one rule fits all uh, leadership mentality. So uh, um, the, other, the other thing that stood out for me is confronting reality with your customer. Um, look, you know, if, if there's, if it's just not working or there's, a, you know, there's some bad news in there, then you, you, you've got to own that and, and, and take that to your customer, even though it might be a hard conversation, I think you'll win out of that. And, uh, for, you know, finally, it's, the, it's really the no need to rush. Um, you do need to, um, uh, you know, sit tight for a little bit. You do need to, to be prepared to invest in your career path and your, you know, and your apprenticeship to, to come through the ranks. So uh, it's really important to, 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 to have a little bit of a patience when you're, you're doing that. So, uh, so look, finally, I'd, I'd really like to uh, thank our guest uh, today, Rhonda McAllister. Look, we couldn't have done it without the production expertise of Young Gun, Blake Labina. As always, uh, look, many thanks goes to our creative partner, Ant May from Ant Designs. Uh, Ant's a great bloke and he's really worked hard and tirelessly on our podcast uh, and is one of Sydney's leading uh, digital agencies and website uh, providers. So, look, next week uh, is our final uh, episode for Season 1 um, and we are going to be hearing from... Uh, one of uh, the FMCG uh, industry's leading figures over the last uh, past uh, 30 years, uh, a true doyen and uh, a true legend within our, uh, within our industry. So, uh... Well, I'm really looking forward to that. So till next week.